Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Sidebar with Cindy. On Kaya FM 95.9. It is 7 o'clock. Welcome to Sidebar with Cindy. My name is Komoto Matsunyane. Dating in the times of HIV and AIDS. Are you somebody who's dating? Are you contemplating dating? At what point do you have the discussion about something somebody might catch? It could be a hope, it could be a cold. <laughs> Maybe you should declare your cold. But really, um, if you, by the way, if you missed any of um, Cindy's previous shows, please visit kayafm.ca.co.za to listen to our FM Rewind. And if you're not in Gauteng, you can also tune in to DSTV Audio Bouquet Channel 861. Of course, you can go to kayafm.co.za. Now, whether you've just found out whether you are HIV positive, and I don't want to restrict this to only HIV positive because there are also other infections that we really need to be cognizant of that also don't necessarily have a cure. All right. So imagine you are dating and you may or may not have an infectious um, uh, condition. At what point in the dating process do you mention this? Is it after the first date? Is it after the first kiss? Logically, you and I know you cannot pass the HIV virus by kissing. However, how would you feel about somebody that you may have been more intimate with? Maybe we went beyond kissing. Maybe we've had sex protected, and I'll put it in quote, or not. At what point is it a good time to declare your status, not just of HIV, but of other sexually transmitted infections? My guest is perfect for this particular conversation. <laughs> she is perfect. Yvette Alta. Is that your name, Alta? Dude, uh, my slave Alta. Alta, not Alta. Alta. Yvette Raphael, welcome to... I almost said to one captain, welcome to Sidebar with Cindy. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, Yvette, you have been an HIV activist for a long time. You have been open with your HIV status for a very long time. And you weighed in. So it was uh, Dr. Malusi, we will have on the show a little bit later, who had tweeted, uh, Malusi Lamini is his name, who's a doctor in obstetrics and gynecology with interest in sexual and reproductive health. And he once did a thread asking, do you think people living with HIV are obligated to disclose, to disclose their status to their sexual partner? And there were some things, Yvette, when you responded to this particular tweet that I must say, as much as I think I'm informed, I had not thought about. First of all, welcome to Sidebar with Cindy. What is your take on this? Should people disclose their STI status and when? <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny. Thanks for, for the intro about my activism because there's two people here. There's Yvette Raphael, the activist, and there's Yvette Raphael, the HIV positive woman who also desires and wants to be loved. And it's a little bit of a, you know, a very soft spot. Mm. And when do, you, when do you disclose, you know? Right. And I had it all on paper. <laughs> all on paper. All the answers on paper until I fell in love. Yes. <laughs> I remember people actually questioning me about it, like, 
uh, Yvette, and, and that used to be my line, you know. Uh, my name is Yvette Ravala. I'm HIV positive if I don't like you. And <laughs> I had all kinds of reasons. Right. But also the burden of disclosing your HIV status, HIV positive or negative, right. does not have to only be on the person who's living with HIV. Mm. I think we take for granted this lifestyle, this uh, this illness that's that is manageable, that's in our lives, we take it for granted that the person living with HIV should carry the burden to protect and tell yes. everyone. So I'm, I'm, I usually say everybody should talk about that, your HIV status. And, and it's much easier for us to have sex with people of unknown status than people whose status is I'm we know. so glad you come to that because I don't know, what are the numbers? Do most South Africans over 18 know their statuses because for the most part some people want to be ignorant so that if i'm if i'm not hiv positive then you don't know and i'm not obliged to disclose anything because i'm also almost as ignorant as you are yes and that's the danger of it so if we take hiv prevention and living with hiv as a lifestyle like everybody's now just drinking water and no no carbs, no whatever. It's right. a change that we encourage each other. I think we should also get into that mode of encouraging people to talk about their HIV neg negative statuses too. So mm. if you're HIV negative and you know your status, it's easy to ask the other person, hey, I'm HIV negative. What is your status? Because we want to do A, B, and C. But if we move into the space with all of us just hoping that the the other one doesn't ask me because because then you don't, you know so Yvette though at the bottom of what you're talking about is really a fear of rejection yes. right because if you ask me Hore, oh me I know my status Komoto, and it's this uh, do you know yours um, and I tell you that for example I'm HIV positive you might reject me and for some reason that seems to away to to um to negate everything else of like why you should because disclosure also comes with stigma so we're afraid to be rejected because we're afraid possibly to be judged yes but if more and more of us talk about it i mean the science is telling us if you're living with hiv uh, hiv and take your meds and basically you prevent hiv through taking the one day pill i'm so proud of label for tweeting about that the the age uh, the prep then you will not infect your partner. So how do we move into making HIV part of our lives hmm. without, man, there's 8.4 million people living with HIV in this country. Chances that you would be dating somebody living with HIV is so high. So let's start making it part of our lives. Let's discuss it. Right. I know sometimes it's different. And, right. and to be honest, like I said, I was caught off guard. The time I met my partner, it was the scariest thing because I wanted this person to stay. I mm. didn't want him to go and I didn't want him to not know, but I yeah, it was just... But with all. you, it would also be impossible. Just Google Yvette Raphael. And that's what he did. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yes. Oh, Google the girl. Thing, but I used to just offer the Google. I'm like, Google me and then we can talk forever. Ah, did but you use that as a way to sort of like, hey, what no, are you I would think Googled me. Okay. Regardless. I didn't okay. I hoped he didn't, wouldn't Google me, but he did. And how he accepted my status was also very 
you know, heartwarming because he also is learning and how we're making it part of our lives. Are you at liberty to disclose your partner's um, status? Yes, HIV negative. So let's have that discussion. You took this to the personal and you said there's two Yvettes. There's Yvette the activist who on paper had a great constitution and then there's the Yvette the lover mm-hmm. who now met this fantastic man that she wants a future with. At what point, Yvette? So now, brother Googles you. And like I said, it's like being homosexual <laughs> and not being associated with loud mouth and radio or and, and television. Yvette, you have been one of the most open people about your HIV status I've ever known in my life. Yes. So, at what point, though, you are dating brother man, Wahoo Googler? The con- how does the conversation come up between you and your partner? After him Googling me, you know, he's like, there's something you haven't told me. Like... Google is your friend. Did you use it? And yeah, we had that discussion like that. Mm. But it's it's also very uh, very important for us to know that once you know your HIV status and your virus is suppressed, mm. you cannot uh, transmit it to the other person. So I had that one up on myself that I knew I was undetectable mm. and that I would not. I, I I was fearing that he might change his mind. Right. He might. Uh, yeah, but he actually was so sweet. He cried and like, yeah, it was just a whole sweet thing happening. So that happens a lot, actually, where you have, what is the expression, discordant couples? Yes, discordant couples. Uh, where you have one partner who's HIV positive and one who's HIV negative. We now are hearing more about undetectable equals untransmittable. So it's easy to have a rational conversation about this, um, to be able to say, okay, like let's weigh sort of like our options because we know. But now I'm also quite curious about people in long-term relationships. We talk about dating. Meanwhile, we know that um, there's a lot of, how shall we say, uh, mixing, (laughs) polio, Sexual activity among married and unmarried people. What's one? Yeah. Yeah. And you find a situation sometimes where when somebody knows now and doesn't tell a long term partner, what are some of the, I can't imagine anything positive, but what, what is the effect on that on a relationship when one person knows and is possibly taking antiretrovirals, but you're not telling the person you are married to? Yeah. I, I, well, I dealt with a lot of those kind of cases. I work with a lot of women who don't know their partners are taking ARVs. And they it's easy to hide ARVs in South Africa. Mm. I know people put it in a different bottle. What's this? Yeah, and, yes. and people think it's a different kind of medication. But I think ethically it's wrong. But do we have a recourse because HIV is not criminalized in this country? No, you don't. But it's also on the partner who's HIV positive and the other partner. You you need to ask questions. You need to ask why why do you go to the doctor? You, you mm. don't share. For, for, for a discordant couple to work, you have to be in this together. Sure. So if it's just one partner, person basically who knows their status and the other one doesn't know it, it it's not going to work. It's not going to have an effect on the HIV prevention because we know when you're in a relationship with a partner, when the one is negative or positive, the reminding of taking your meds is a mm. partnership. The reminding of them taking their uh, their prep is a, a partnership. So it has to. The secrecy around it is what makes me sad. The when secrecy. When people don't tell and keep keep 
and the other person in the dark for a long time. Should the should we criminalize? You talk about it is not criminalized in South Africa. If somebody deliberately, let's say, it's kind of hard to say, like, they went out and they wanted to infect you and they made sure you were infected. But um, do you think there should be recourse criminally for people who may want to infect other people? What do you think should happen? Yes, so the activist in me is going to come out and say we can't criminalize HIV because our health is our own personal responsibility. So I'm I'm sure if your person, uh, yeah, Unless they infect the other person, but HIV is not criminalized in South Africa. It cannot be criminalized because you also would not know the time, the date of infection. So it's also the responsibility of the other person to probe and ask questions. And if you, somebody tells you a lie, let's say we're dating and you deliberately lie to me about your status when you know that actually you have something. Leave. I'm just saying the person should leave. If you cannot come to a reasoning on why the, you could not tell the truth, mm. it, it's, it's such a sensitive thing because really the heart is, is involved. Like sure. The person who is staying in there, I'm, I'm sure, is not, not telling because they don't like the other person. They're fearing that same stigma. They're fearing being, uh, you know, rejected. They're fearing the other person not understanding. And that is why I would encourage South Africans, like the rest of the world, embrace the science, mm. embrace... I, I, re- I had a project early in February um, called Love Positive Women because I know it's so easy for us to accept an HIV-positive person as women. And this husband of mine or this boyfriend of mine is living with HIV. Right. And we men do not accept HIV positive women that much. So after my project, a whole the whole of February, I didn't do Valentine's Day. I did a project called Love Positive Women. And it just opened up so many uh, opportunities for HIV positive women where they took pictures and, and you know, just set up a, a space where they felt good about themselves yeah. and started dating. So and started being open about their statuses. As well. You know, I'm going to push a little bit on this, Yvette, um, because it's also about trust. But you know, and it's like the knowing mm-hmm. when it's just like so when obesity you are protecting yourself by taking ARVs regular checkups and all that but you don't tell the other person I suppose it's like when you know and you deliberately withhold information why am I struggling with that I you know it, it like you knew and then you didn't tell me how do you factor in trust you could never possibly trust this person ever again how do you stay in a yes, long-term that's relationship why ABC didn't work ABC was nonsense <laughs> yes because part of it was a abstain, abstain be faithful and whatever and then trust because people thought when you are faithful when the one mm. per- person is faithful the rest of us is faithful so i think I know you want to push this, but we can't criminalize HIV in this country because of just how complex this virus is. Mm. I think it's we should what we should rather do is have programs make HIV part of our lives. It's not going to go away. Sure. I'm only 43. I'm, I'm planning to live until I'm 95. So you're all going to have to deal with me <laughs> for a very, 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 very yes, long time. Yes, but you've also told us a long time ago <laughs> your status. There yes. lies my point. It is 15 minutes past Three, you are listening to Sidebar with Cindy, hosted by myself, Homoto Matsunyani, and we're in conversation with Yvette Raphael about if you've just met.
met or at what point in a relationship do you disclose your STI status? We're taking your calls on a 086-00-0059 and SMSs on a 36959. That's telephone line again, 086-00-0059. Our SMS line, 36959. I'm actually just looking at the producer. Are our lines working okay uh, today? They're not. Okay, so please SMS um, and to that number, 36959. And if you could also um, on WhatsApp, 0860. What? Oh, no. How can I? <laughs> what is our WhatsApp line? When we come back, I'll give you that particular line. I'm in conversation with Yvette Raphael about when is the right time to disclose your STI status. Kaya FM. Kaya FM. 95.9 Home of the Afropolitan 18 minutes past 7 on Sidebar with Cindy and joining us now is Dr. Milusi Lamene who's a doctor in obstetrics and gynecology with interest in sexual and reproductive health and a big advocate uh, for women's rights to choose uh, my body my choice. Um, he calls himself an abortionist and we had him on Uncaptured at some point speaking about the rights of women to make decisions for themselves. Dr. Milusi Lamene welcome to Sidebar with Cindy. Thank you for the invitation again. And you, at part of what why we're having this conversation, Malusi, is yeah. that you, uh, because of your Twitter thread, which was asking the question, do you think people living with HIV are obligated to disclose their status to their sexual partner? What were the responses on Twitter to this question? Quite mixed, actually. But um, what was surprising for me was, you know, people not understanding you know, the implications of disclosure and expecting people who are living with HIV um, to bear the brunt of having to, you know, um, make sure that people have safe sex. Um, you know, for me, it, 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 it got me a little bit confused because um, what, what came out was that people do not want to take responsibility um, for, you know, preventing HIV um, transmission to themselves. Because what I got from the thread, um, and it, it was an overwhelming um, 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 reaction, was that um, people think or believe that if somebody's HIV positive, then it's up to them, you know, to make sure that um, you know um, they don't, um, you know, spread the um, HIV. Yes, it, it, it is. It, it is up to them. Yes. But, um, you know, if you're HIV negative, shouldn't you also take responsibility to make sure that you don't get HIV? And for me, that was the mm. most um, surprising part. Mm. And people don't, we're really quite surprised because they really, it's like what we've been talking about with um, Yvette and Studio, that the responsibility and the onus for disclosure cannot solely rest with the person who's HIV positive. It has to also be with the ones who either want to stay negative or want to take precaution, I suppose. Yes, but if, if you want to stay HIV negative, how are you going to stay HIV negative if you're not making sure that you have not stay sick? Um, and it's with HIV negative people, it's with HIV positive people, you never know. We don't walk around with, you know, um, labels on our forehead being HIV positive with HIV negative. So my, my other question on the was that when, when, when you're having sex with someone who is patient you don't know and you're okay with having unprotected sex with them, what, what is the implication of that? What are you saying? Are you not saying then that you're okay with 
um, contracting whatever disease they have. I mean, HIV is not the only disease that, that is um, sexually transmitted. There's a lot of other things. They, they may be HIV negative, but they may have other diseases that are not HIV, yeah. um, that are um, you know, spread by sex. That have as devastating and long-term effects. Let's talk about that because we always put HIV in the middle of it. But there are other diseases, Dr. Zamini, yeah. that we don't want to get, like herpes. Like, what are the other, some of the other infections that, quite frankly, we should be wary of and we should be asking? Because it's not just about HIV. Who are like, hey, by the way, have you had syphilis? You know, you have hepatitis, which can give you cancer later on in life. You have things like HPV, which can give you cancer, or which can give you warts um, in, in the throat, in the anus, in the vagina, and can give you cervical cancer. And cervical cancer should um, actually scare a lot of black women quite a lot, but it doesn't because, you know, people are having um, um, statistics and not thinking about that. Right. But that later on in life, you know, you have patients, you have things like happy, you have things like um, syphilis, you know, there's a lot of um, um, diseases that um, um, are sexually transmitted that have, um, you know, serious implications later in life if you're not careful. Now, Dr. Lamini, it's all fine and well. And Yvette talked about being an activist and on the other side, being a lover. Now, this is all sounding wonderful and academic, but for example, you're a single man. Do you yes. have a suggestion? At what point should we be having this conversation in the relationship? You know, it, it's quite so bad in South Africa. We, we, we still have, you know, some stigma attached to HIV. So, you know, talking about HIV, unfortunately, for most people, probably not for us because, you know, we have professionals, we understand things like uniquity. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a difficult conversation to have, even if, um, you know, both of us are HIV negative because we could possibly be HIV negative. Um, the, the assumption is that you're HIV negative until you're proven HIV negative by a test. So, you know, to have that conversation is difficult. But at what point do we, do we then say, um, you know, let's have this discussion? I think as soon as you want to have unprotected sex, as soon as you want, um, you know, to, to enjoy, um, you know, sex without a condom, then I think we should have that conversation and we should have it openly and, you know, and honestly. Um, you know, if you haven't tested, um, I think the best the best thing to, is to assume that you're HIV positive. Mm. Um, you know, in that way, you know, you kind of uh, kind of makes you a little bit scared um, right. in terms of spreading the the, the 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 virus or you know getting disease from somebody else. So I think as soon as you 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 want to have unprotected sex, I think that 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 should be the time to say, um, so let's talk about this. What if yeah, one of us is HIV positive? And many times, Yvette, Raphael, I bring you back into this conversation. We don't want to have that conversation. This is the awkward thing of just before you have sex, he's not asking, she's not asking, assuming you're in a heteronormative relationship. It could be that it's two men or it's two women, quite frankly, at this particular point. So, uh, Yvette, you're finding yourself in this particular situation where people are not talking and and before you know like you kind of it's nice it's a nice thing to put at the back of your mind i've done it all right i know how good it feels to have sex without a condom dare i say it felt damn good it doesn't mean i should be having sex without a condom though but can we we the people in the hiv education field are really i find 
if they don't want to admit the fact that they always oh it's the same um if you're having sex with or without yeah, a condom it's yeah. not quite the same and it doesn't please understand afropolitans i'm not advocating for sex without a condom i'm just saying in my experience i and, and what i find lacking in hiv and sti um, sexual health information is that you it might it might feel different for you yeah, but I, I also think is that we need to be honest and truthful about sexual, you know, sexual health. And when people uh, have had sex without a condom, mm. it is something that they would, you know, likes to go to and ref, uh, prefer going sure. to. And like I said, for me, initially, it was around the issues of what I was trying to deter. I was raising kids. Right. Now I'm a, in my <laughs> mid-40s. And the kids are raised. They, they're raised and they're okay. But also, I think it's a conversation we should just be having around uh, as, as we get to know each other. Is mm. What is your STI status mm. and HIV is one of those and, right. and I usually tell young people that they usually are so okay to have sex without with, without a condom with with somebody of unknown status without even looking mm. what is this thing mm. you know yes. and, and look and feel and touch and smell I think it is important that we start talking about the realities of this sex that we're talking about because people are talking we're talking about it like it's a double textbook. speak almost or almost like it's a, it's a textbook but what works for you we also mm. need to know that what works for ourselves and what is acceptable so if you have right. a standard i always say my granny used to say to me Ibali standard, man. Have mm. a standard. You can't be dating pink, yellow. Have a standard. Talk dark and answer or what? You know? So let's have a standard to say this is what I'll do before I will start dating. Right. This is what we talk about. Mm-hmm. Once we start dating, this is what I want to get into. I want to know, not just know your family, but yes. I, want, I like to see your, your clinic card. I would like to go to, to doctor with you. One of the things that me and my partner enjoy is really going to the doctor together mm. because I get to check if I'm still undetectable and mm. untransmittable. He's on prep and he gets to, to go and for that test confirming that he's still HIV negative. Right. So yes, we don't we, we're not promoting sex where, without a condom but sex without with a condom does not work for everyone yeah. and we need to start talking about mm. that. What we need to have in this country and what we need to talk about is choice. People have mm. different choices. What works for you mm. might not work for you. And my partner's on prep not because I I, I think I might infect him. No, sure. I know I cannot infect him. Right. But do I want to carry the burden mm. of being the one who is responsible for him not getting HIV? No, he needs to be responsible for himself mm. too. That's why he's on prep. I talked a little earlier about just before you have sex, you sort of ignore all the signals, Melusi. Like you, yeah. you can see them coming and we play little fellow or waiting. I'm going there and you're both not talking about it. And then... It happens, all right? You, one yeah. of you comes, yeah. I hope, or well, the lucky one comes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's ask and then, Malusi, <laughs> the feeling that I got in the times that I have chosen to have, and I say chosen very specifically, chosen to yeah. have sex without a condom. Do you know what feeling I get? Instant regret. Or yeah. you are sitting there and thinking, yeah. What were you thinking? And it doesn't even take three minutes after you've come, hey? Not even. It's just like, are you crazy? Are you absolutely crazy right now? Yeah. 
Yeah. Regret is one of the things that we, and so the event, we couldn't possibly be encouraging yeah. people because after you've done it, you feel quite stupid, my Lucy. Yeah, for a while. Um, and I always tell people, trust if it's not a condom, does not prevent sexual transmitted infection. So whatever happens during that sex um, or after that sex, it's entirely on you. Mm, it, so you should make you should make you know um, proper choices sure. so that you know you don't have to do it worse later on. It is 7.30. You're listening to Sidebar with Cindy with me, Komoto Matsunyani. My guest in the studio, we've got Yvette Raphael, who is an HIV positive um, activist. And on the line, we've got Dr. Melusi Lamene, who's an obstetrics and gynecology doctor with interest in sexual and reproductive health. And we're talking, taking your WhatsApps. Unfortunately, the lines are not working, which is just killing us because I know that you are dying to ask us questions or participate. Do At what point do you think in a relationship that people should disclose their STI status. And I say STI and not just HIV because there's so many other things that we could catch. Your WhatsApps we will be taking on 0863-680-959. Of course, you can also SMS us on a 36959. A 36959. And of course, go to Twitter if you want and use the hashtags hashtag rather Kaya FM Talk. All right. So, Yvette, we are moving how how do we move forward with this you talk about honesty and one of the reasons that women in particular in south africa don't participate honestly in conversations about our sexuality is because there's a stigma around women who either so-called sleep around or you're too almost assertive um, in your sexuality so we want to pretend as if every relationship we get into might lead to marriage even even pretending sometimes you have no idea. You don't want to marry this guy. Mario, you're just pretending like you want to be married because that seems to be what he wants. We are quite conservative socially and sexually as South Africans. Do you think? Don't I, you think? No, no, I don't think so. I think it's just basically because I'm on, on Twitter a lot. I think... You know, basically, we also have that stigma of being single. I remember being mm. single and not giving... Hey, I Any hoots? No, no, I didn't care about how people thought of me. I had my own plans that I wanted to raise my kids. I wanted my kids to be in with around a person that I can trust, they can trust. Right. And I could see other women wearing rings in their ring finger, but just also being single. You're talking about the trust issue. Yes. Sometimes we see the signs. We mm. see the signs that something's wrong, but we don't want to ask because also being single, it's, it's not just being, you know, a, like the uh, assertive one, the out one, but also being single. There's a huge stigma around it. Yes. So once you're in a relationship, you don't, literally don't want to lose that person. So it's a lot. I think we need, like I said, we need to just embrace that life has changed and how people do things is is totally, entirely up to them. Um, would you agree with that, Dr. Melusio Hori? Like, um, there's also this huge stigma so that sometimes black women or a lot of times feel like we can't be alone because then like you know like people look at me and say yeah look at her she's all talk but quite frankly nobody wants her <laughs> exactly and but also not knowing what standards you set for yourself what 
are the things that you've put in place to make sure that you reach whatever you a goal you want to reach. So mm-hmm. we need to start talking about, I always say for people, for South Africa to make a dent in, in HIV AIDS prevention, right. we need to understand the black bedroom. Bona, our politics around that is not as simple as a b and c it's no, a lot it's much more, more complicated nuanced, yeah. yeah more nuanced and um dr zamini do you is, is there a difference in how for example gay men um interact with their hiv uh, status versus say heterosexual women that um, um, um have found out their status do we deal with it differently um somehow because of either our orientations or how we've been socialized into our orientations you know, the, the, the only thing that worries me about, you know, as you said, in, in homosexual relationships is the thing is... Sorry, Doctor, please speak con- into the mic. We're struggling to hear you. Just repeat that last sentence, please. Um, I was saying the, the thing that troubles me about um, safe sex in homosexual relationships is people thinking that, well, if even if you don't use a condom, I'm not going to fall pregnant. Uh. And um, forgetting everything else that safe, I mean, unsafe sex comes with. Um, and we've had, you know, those conversations that guys, come on, sex is not for procreation. We've talked about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and people, I think there's still a lot of people that need to come, you know, out of that kind of thinking mm-hmm. and, you know, think of sex differently um, other than eating for procreation. Uh, because then if you're not worried about um, making a child, why should I use a condom? Mm-hmm. And that's where the conversation ends. And I think it's a very, um, a very dangerous way of thinking about sex, honestly. And I think that that kind of thinking puts a lot of people at risk. It certainly does. And Malusi, what I found is that, like, are you finding this in your practice in the, with the teenagers that you deal with? Are you finding the typical narrative where our teenagers are actually still? in 2019 much more afraid of being pregnant than of catching a sexually transmitted infection oh definitely um you know um and and it, it happens every day people hiv and well, and other stis and the last thing that people think about they think about pregnancy first and then everything else after that um and you know the, the shocking thing that i've heard when i asked about condom use was somebody saying that well if i ask for a condom um to be used during sex then they think that i've got a disease that i'm not trying to you know mm. spread mm. so i keep quiet and then i hope that he will whip it out of his pocket and if it doesn't happen well oh well it can come out so we're just going to have unsafe sex mm. and you know condom negotiation still is a, a little bit on you know men's side mm. i'd say honestly um but that's honestly the reality that i have to deal with every day in practice is there a feeling around some of the patients that you treat and um, particularly with women do we equate schooning with a level of love or if he's schooning with you oh man he must love you True, there's a lot of um, things that are, you know, equated to, to love. Um, one being somebody saying that, you know, we can actually have unsafe sex. Right. Because people think that it kind of equates to trust, and trust equates to love, and love equates to them um, respecting you and whatever. Right. Um, and I, I feel like that is actually quite a scary thing to, to think. Mm. Um, and I've, I've had a lot of that from, from, you know, from a female patient. Um, you know, you try to, 
you know, you, you know what, what's shocking is when you try, when you explain things like this to people that, you know, no, 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 this is how sex works, this is what, this is what is unsafe sex, this is what you are agreeing to if you are, if you agree to, a, I mean, a condom not being used during sex, and they get shocked because they, they don't even, they don't even think that far. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's all the pleasure of um, a man or, you know, trying to look right in that man's eyes. Um, making sure that, you know, that men love you or respect you or, you know, think of you in a certain way. Um, but when you actually have an honest conversation with them and open their eyes, mm-hmm. they, they, get, they get shocked about, mm. you know, the way they think of sex. Right. And um, Yvette, I wanted to ask you about, you know, South Africans, for the most part, do use condoms but not consistently. Mm. At some point mm. in a relationship, whether it's three weeks or three months, Melusi, you think, mm. <laughs> yeah. and so we might use them for the first few months. And then at some point, with no conversation, Malusi, at some point, yeah. the condoms cut off and you haven't even yeah. tested at that point. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and we tell young people as well in, in our discussions, because I work a lot with young people, is, and one of the questions I ask them is, when do you stop using a condom? Mm. Or when, why do you stop using a condom? And they'll, they'll tell you, I trust him, we've been together for a week, we've, uh, you know, all <laughs> a <those>. whole week, <laughs> you know, and yes, he, he doesn't look like he's HIV positive. And that's mm. one of the things that we try to get young people to understand, that mm. you have to ask the hard question. When you stop using a condom with somebody whose status you don't know, best is for you to go to get tested together mm. best is for you to start having this discussion and make sure how do you wh- what is needed i mean I, I i hear from young people who would say i was planning a baby and he didn't know you know right. so, so <laughs> and, like, disaster. and you hear these things and it's the reality is that we don't think about why are we stopping to use a condom and we'd like to encourage young people to carry a condom. I mean, we had a uh, bag to use it. When we had research, and uh, I'm glad Malusi spoke about it, we had research that showed that, that men, basically young men said, I won't use a condom on a pretty girl. Mm. So it is at any standards. You only yes. use it on skanky, ugly girls exactly. who nobody cares you, about. You don't want to have a baby with. And and young people needed to know that. And we we started getting young people to carry the condoms and actually use them and, and you know, show it. I, we had a whole December, you know, going on holidays, taking your condoms and your ARVs. Right. But also what Melissa said, which I thought I should bring to the fore, is that gay men in South Africa are actually taking HIV prevention seriously they are mm-hmm. one of the communities in this country that have taken up PrEP and made it part of mm. their life if we can look at the mm-hmm. numbers of the men the men who have sex with men in South Africa who are using PrEP it's just astounding and then I get super excited when it's young black men so it gets us there and the science is changing right. I mean gay men are taking two, 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 one, one. you know two pulls before two after mm. and another one after and it's science it's just how are we embracing the science and preventing HIV because we have such high numbers of people living with HIV. We have to get people undetectable and understanding what it means. And those who are negative, we have to get them on PrEP. Eight million. Eight, 
8.4 million. 8.4 million. What is that? That's the number of South Africans who are walking around and carrying the HIV virus right now. We'll be back right after this. I am Afropolitan. Afropolitan. Kaya FM. Kaya FM. 95.9. It is the last 15 minutes of Sidebar with Cindy. I'm absolutely gutted and devastated that we can't access your telephone calls right now because this conversation would be on fire. I know you have so many questions. I know you have so many opinions which may agree with what Yvette Raphael and I are saying in here or Dr. Melusi Lamini. You may completely want to violently disagree with any of the stuff that we're saying. But where I want to take it now, um, Dr. Lamini, I want to talk about mm-hmm. parents. We were talking just now and Yvette talking about um, you know, our inability to speak honestly about sex. Mm. How big, I mean, parents are just uncomfortable with their children having sex. They won't actually accept it. Do you remember when former Minister of Health, Dr. Aaron Mutualedi, suggested yeah. that we should be rolling out condoms in school? Do you remember yeah. the outrage yeah. by parents who are saying, hell no? Yeah. So how much is, our, um, is our, our parental um, thoughts on sex in impact on our own decisions because you can imagine if you can talk about sex you're in your 40s you're in your 50s um this surely must have an impact as to how our children also interact with the issue, issues of sexuality you know um when we have these conversations about things i always say think back to when you started having sex and you know what kind of conversations did you have before you started having sex probably didn't talk to um to your parents about or um, it just happened because you happened to be honey and there was somebody else, you know, who was willing to help you. Right. Um, and, you know, and if you think about maybe your first, first sexual encounter, maybe in your teens, how safe was it? You know, mm. um, you were just going into this, you know, blindly. And because you had very little or no information, you did whatever you thought was right to do. Um, you know, we talked about, you know, I, I, do, I do a lot of abortion stuff and sexual and reproductive health. But I was saying, you know, if children are not able to talk openly about, you know, um, sex and reproduction, they, we won't know what they don't know. And we, don't, we won't know how to advise them. There's no, just because you don't talk to children about sex doesn't mean that they're not going to have um, sex. Yeah. Uh, we, we see that because we have teenage pregnancies, um, a lot of them, and children as young as 10 are having sex. Um, so I think, you know, mm. we as parents, well, people who are parents, um, must be honest about this. Mm. Um, it's, an, it's a difficult conversation to have, um, but it has to be had. Mm. Um, I remember when we were talking about um, introduction of comprehensive sexual education, there, there was a, a huge outrage because people, I think people who thought um, sex education, you're just going to walk into a grade one class and then tell them to take off their pants and then do an exercise with them. But <laughs> we, a we, practical exercise at that. Let's just do a practical exercise, you know. <laughs> and I, I think that, that, that because people thought that, they're like, hell no. Because they think sex, sex education is... Sex, um, I mean, education about sexual intercourse. But, you know, there's a lot of things to, to talk about. Um, and from a very young age, you know, sexual identity, um, gender expression, and that, that, and all of those kind of things, um, they, they, they talk to the sexual education. I mean, um, if, if you're going to think of sex as sexual intercourse, then 
that's where the problem is going to come come from. Mm. Um, and I think that that's why people were, were still outraged when they when when, they, when, when your um, health and, and minister said this gives children condoms because they are having sex. Um, so if you give them condoms, oh, they are. Your children yeah, are having sex, Afropolitans. Yeah, I don't know I how to sex. say that. Um, Yvette, did you see this shocking report? I don't know why we're shocked. But it came out of Limpopo that um, a huge number of uh, teens were found between the ages of 11 and 18 were, were found to be pregnant. Yes. And yeah. almost all of them obviously were impregnated by men who or um, men who are significantly older than them them. we haven't even checked or started talking about the sti status of these girls we're just talking about pregnancy we're going to have an 11 year old carrying a child to term yes but that's that is why it's important for us to have comprehensive sexual education at schools cse is no longer an option for mm. us as a country just yesterday it was reported that a a great art learner was raped by uh, 13 years and 12 year olds in the same school so we need to start talking uh, about sex and when i speak to young people and much younger people um I talk about sexual grooming and what that means for young people because I'm telling you the person who's going to uh, uh, rape your child is not a stranger. Mm, It's somebody close to them and you have to make your child understand when they can, when they feel uncomfortable. So Mm. we need to have this discussion with the gender-based violence in this country. We, not even HIV, uh, gender-based violence, we need to start talking about uh, sexual, uh, sex education and the condom distribution in schools because I mean really it's, nobody's teaching any Everybody's child to have sex in schools. Only thing we want, we know, is that they're having sex and they need to use a condom if they do with other people's children. And it's just unfortunate that I always tell the young people I work with, you are the parents mm-hmm. that are saying we should not do this because you yourself are kids. So that's basically the situation that we have. The SGBs are people much younger than me. I mean, my, my son is no more going to be in, in primary school. He, his uh, friends' mothers are much younger than, than mm-hmm. me. So mm-hmm. how, do we, how do we get parents to understand what comprehensive sex education is if we don't talk to them? I think we need to have more conversations with parents to understand what this is and why we it, it will be age appropriate and why it's important because I don't think parents get it. Yvette, you're a mother, mm-hmm. yeah, of two. How did you have this conversation with your kids and what words of advice? I know we keep saying we must, we okay. must. How did, can you give us <laughs> something more practical? I, I, th- I think with me, my daughter just watched me uh, with my work and stuff. I remember when she went to, to high school and yeah, in primary school we had the discussion and my daughter's quite open. Mm-hmm. She told me she's not having sex and w- because I wanted her to go and get, you know, the jab mm-hmm. or something on, on a contraceptive and she said she's not having sex and I told her, asked her, would you tell me if you're having sex? And mm-hmm. she said yes. And when she went to varsity again, much, uh, such a liberated young person and told me, I'm not prepared to start putting hormones in my body yes. just for the fun of it. Mommy, I'm mm-hmm. not having sex. Mm-hmm. And I asked her again, are you going, and I know she's listening are you going to tell me and she promised again to tell me when she having she's having sex and this is what i said to my daughter uh, liberated young girls let, literally plan for their first sexual ed- encounter mm. you need to make sure there's condoms you need to make sure there's flowers you need to know make sure there's lights camera action because that's how you're going to start 
that's how to the detail you need to plan plan your first sexual encounter mm. not like us when it was a surprise come come to my house mm. my mother is not there what right. are we going to do and you get surprised so we right. need to start talking to our kids and also I don't like this fact that we force our children onto contraceptives mm. when they're not having sex right. these horm- hormonal contraceptives can be bad for our bodies right. so let's start having that conversation and I did have that conversation it was a hard one we were both you know shy about it but we did have it and it's getting better as we go on um so dr lemini just um i suppose why your tweet had such resonance and it had so much response and the question that dr melusi um lemini had put on twitter was do you think people living with hiv are obligated to disclose their status to their sexual partner i suppose in wrapping up part of what i thought when i read this was about consent how do we contextualize consent within this conversation? Because it's almost like what we're really talking about is like um, consent, not just to have sex, but in a way, the conditions around which you are having sex and with whom you're having it, what status they may be having. Consent is still very much at the core of what I think, in a way, your tweet was about. Would you agree or disagree with that? Dr. Malusi? Hang on just a second. We've lost. The, ah, sorry, Dr. Melusi. I don't know if you had started answering, but we had lost you for a bit. Please go ahead. Um, I don't know if you can hear me. Yes, now, now I can hear you. Yes, yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it has to do a lot with consent because remember when you talk about consent, you say that you you you, you are going to do something and you you, you informed about your decision to do it. Um, so people when they got the the, the consent part of it in that conversation um it was you know it was difficult for me um you know because i, I was saying let's look at both the points the pros and cons of of disclosure right um it's not about the consent of one person here it's the, con- the consent of two people that are um, engaged in sexual intercourse right um what do i have to do for um, a person with hiv by um disclosing my hiv status um and what do I have to benefit? Um, but also, if I don't disclose, what 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 then mm. the, the person who is having sex with me, um, you know, in? Um, but then, you know, also to put up also the the, the thing that if, if you are HIV positive and you are on treatment and you are undetectable, then what's the point of disclosing? Well, if 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 you take out other STIs out of the equation and you're just talking about HIV and yeah. you are you um, I'm, I'm undetectable, then what's the point? Um, mm. then, you know, if I have sex with you and unknowingly I'm any kind of safe, mm. you know, there's, there's no risk of you getting the HIV. So what, sure. what is the point of me telling you? Um, but also, if I decide that, you know what, let me just risk it, um, what then? Um, because mm. you know, if if I tell you, if if you're in the heat of the moment, and I told you, oh, by the way, you know, I'm actually HIV positive, you might kill the moment, um, and I might have been looking forward to you know uh, that sex. Um, you know, you might cut me off completely. Right. Um, unfortunately, HIV in 2019 still not stigmatized. I mean, I, I've been we really going. We positively moving towards destigmatization, but we're still not there yet. Not even and the article says that we would never have sex with people that are HIV positive. We would never date them. Mm. Um, so you, cons- you, you disclosing, you know, it, it, 
you, you're part of consent is saying that, you know, I'm, I'm going to deal with whatever comes out of, out of this. Right. Um, which might mean um, I'm rejected in this moment. Um, I might be cut off. You know, there's a lot to, to lose um, with your disclosure. All right. We've got a caller. Is it in Sasha in Soweto? Welcome to Sidebar with Cindy in Sasha. Hi, how are you, doctor? Uh, well, it's not quite a doctor. I wish I was a doctor. <laughs> 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 no, no, you will be one day. <laughs> one day. But <laughs> okay, one day, one one day, day. one day, my brother. What do you have yeah. to say about this conversation? No, look, I have an 80-year-old daughter. Mm. So I just, I, I don't know if you guys have, you have covered this uh, that, I, that I was about to ask now. Mm. I'm just wondering how would I start that topic with, a, mm. with, with my daughter as to like, are you, you see? It's a difficult topic to start, especially, I mean, I yeah. think eight year old is still young, but they know these things. But they're also young. They may be young, but there's something called age-appropriate education. So they sh- you should already be starting or have started a conversation to have with your daughter about sex. I will give over to the professionals and ask them what they think. But there's, there's certainly you can have a conversation about masturbation because not all sexual urges have to result in us having sex. Yvette? Yes, I, and I think it's, it's, it's as simple as that. We hear a lot of, uh, I, I don't like to say white people, but yeah, you hear this discussion discussion when they ask their children do you have a boyfriend mm. what do you do you know the more liberated communities so you have to ask those questions and you know what what did you do at school what right. do you what do you do when you were with your friends and i i uh, i heard a, a young person say oh yeah i kissed her and the other day i stole to kiss her on the mouth that's when you start talking about sex and f- finding out do their understanding and 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 kids especially young boys feel the sexual urges much earlier and people think it's the other way around because their bodies react differently so have that conversation continuously not only age appropriately mm-hmm. but also gender appropriately i know it's very difficult difficult for me to speak to my son about sex mm-hmm. but uh there are men in, in in my family who who speak to him about it and he's, he's, he's in a much better space to mm-hmm. talk about this manhood and all this boyhood and in Flasha, what i suggest is that you fix your face and what i mean by that is that when you ask your daughter a question and she looks at you and and, and she answers honestly do not betray her by showing her how shocked you are how horrified <laughs> yes <laughs> this because now you are shutting off that conversation completely dr melusi lamene in 30 seconds any parting shots for us well um just to add to what you were saying to Tanta, um you know it has to be graded um and, you know, children are um, inherently curious. So listen to those curious um, and answer and address whatever questions come up. Um, if you were saying, you know, when you, talk, when you ask them, you know, just in a funny way, do you have a boyfriend? Do you have mm. a girlfriend? Mm. You know, is there somebody that you like? You kind of open up, you know, um, you know a conversation or you, you, to say to them that, you know, if you like somebody, you can talk to me. Mm. Um, and they have to trust you. Yes, um, completely. Yes, to be honest, um, and 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 they should feel like should I have any questions? You know, mom or dad is asking mm. my questions, and they should create an environment like that. If you have an environment like that, then you know that you know as soon as your your child likes somebody, they're gonna say that I like somebody. That's when you can start to give you know, um, 
are, are you having sex or whatever it, you know honestly i appropriate it to 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 their age to their ages absolutely um, yeah. Dr. Melusi Lamene, thank you very much for joining us. Yvette Raphael, um, may the work continue. Thank you very much for joining me on Sidebar with Cindy. Don't forget to join us right now on kayatv.co.za. We're about to present the showcase. Rewinding, Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Visit kayafm.co.za for more.